0: Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, and we start, as always, with local news. Walking down Old Lewisburg Highway in Columbia, the quiet tree-dotted country road is picturesque, with small rolling hills, sparsely spread-out homes, and a silence only broken by occasional traffic along Highway 50. Residents of a mobile home park nestled off the highway at 874 Blue Springs Road are raising concerns over a proposed concrete plant that could disturb almost 50 residents in the park through increased large vehicle traffic, possible air pollution and noise. Indiana-based Irving Materials Incorporated has requested special exception zoning to consolidate two other Columbia concrete plants into one on 12 acres adjacent to the park, which is currently zoned as A2 Rural Residential. A special exception rezoning request application was filed this year by Scott Nichols with Irving Materials to build the concrete plant. Notice was sent to residents only days before the meeting, though plans had been in the works at least since December, according to mobile home park owner Wesley Walker. No one in the mobile home park knew about it, Walker said, adding that he could lose tenants over the proposed development. At the bare minimum, I would have appreciated the time to properly notify my tenants, he said. Walker, along with vocal homeowners Michael West, Jeff Newsom, and Jessica Beard, among others, spoke against the plant at the first County Board of Zoning Appeals meeting. Applicant Nichols and local truck company and property owner Scott McCandless would sell the land to IMI, which would in turn use it as a production plant to benefit from the convenience of nearby rock quarry supplier Rogers Group. Evergreen trees and mounds of that same rock close to the quarry separate the road from any potential industrial eyesores and provide a buffer for the sound. Walker's concerns also stem from possible dust particle exposure for some residents who have debilitating health problems. Concrete production can potentially fill the air with fine powder known as silica dust as one byproduct of concrete mixing, according to recent literature, Walker says. Some of Walker's residents are on oxygen and have some illnesses that could potentially limit their mobility. National Institute of Health, Centers for Disease Control, and American Lung Association all warn of the dangers of breathing silica dust, which causes inflammation and scarring in the lungs and is produced from breaking down rock, sand, and quartz. The long-term risk can lead to serious health concerns like asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, and lung cancer, according to the Institute. Carl Lanius, one of Walker's tenants, is a double amputee. Lanius and his wife Sherry were among residents who were blindsided by the news of a potential upheaval of their safe, quiet home life. The air is hard enough to breathe, but this dust would be a concern, Carl Lanius said. So far, this has been a quaint little neighborhood. The neighborhood or residents near Blue Springs Road and Old Lewisburg Highway soon signed a petition opposing the concrete plant, in addition to attending the zoning board meeting to oppose the concrete plant. At the time, the February BZA meeting room at Public Square was packed with residents opposed to the development. The Board of Zoning Appeals meeting in February was packed with residents. Plans to further the application approval process halted due to a host of residential opposition and stipulations that stonewalled IMI efforts to move forward. IMI representatives at the meeting estimated a pace of approximately 20 heavy truck trips in and out of the area per day. Occasionally, West and other residents say that a daytime rock quarry blast might rattle a few pictures. We live with Rogers Group, and it's not a big deal at this point, Michael West said, who is wondering if disruptions would get worse with the IMI plant. The major roadblock for IMI currently is a 5,000-foot distance requirement for industrial facilities to be placed in such an area. At the February meeting, the company's proposal overlaps that requirement, only extending around 4,000 feet from the closest resident, according to the application. Project principal for IMI Alan O'Leary of Columbia said the applicant was not aware of the 5,000-foot residential setback for industrial projects the county passed in December. Temporary reprieve was granted as IMI left the most recent Board of Zoning Appeals meeting with a hefty homework of addressing the multiple issues and concerns. Originally agreeing in February to schedule their updated information meeting with BZ on, BZA on April 12th, the most recent agenda has removed any mention of the IMI proposal. Jessica Beard lives with her husband and a bundle of kids on the property. She is known for 40 years where her kids play outside often. She worries about the heavy trucks passing by her home and a, a possible increase of more to come. Beard and her husband, Thomas, live in what was formerly Beard's grandparents' house, and she said they might have as many as six people at a time at the house with all their kids. This affects everything for us, Beard said. My kids basically live outside. Beard's concern is not only for the health and safety of her children, but her two stepchildren with autism, who are sensitive to sound. West, a respiratory therapist, said his concern is that the silica dust would cause problems for his patients. This is something I see with my work, West said. It really scares me. The information I found from OSHA shows that there is something called a fallout zone. This zone is really close to my house, he said. West said silica dust is too fine to be caught or filtered properly, even though the applicants claimed otherwise. If you take a strand of hair and cut it seven times, you have an idea of how fine this dust is, West said. That is a big concern for me and my family. C.J. and Jennifer Allen, who both work at SRM Concrete in Columbia, also opposed the plan as employees who have worked in concrete. C.J. Allen began by speaking of the noise problems he felt would result from the proposal. Stop by a concrete plant. Just stop by, C.J. Allen said. You don't want that around your house, do you? he asked. Jennifer Allen said she had worked through nine years of company changes and opposed any new site. I do work around it, Jennifer Allen said. I know how dusty it is and the potentials of that and what it can do. I never had asthma until seven years ago, she said. Legal representation for IMI, Art Fisher, said during the meeting that the company's dust control equipment was 99.9% effective, though the type of dust was not specified. The proposal will be heard next at the May County Commission Board of Zoning and Appeals meeting. Yesterday, the annual scout luncheon took place. WKOM WKRM's Delk Kennedy attended the luncheon to see how scouting is doing in Middle Tennessee.
1: This is Delk Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today, noon, I am at the Baptist Church on Pulaski Highway. The scouts of southern Middle Tennessee have just had their annual luncheon and fundraiser. There are several hundred people here. It's been a great occasion and tens of thousands of dollars have been raised for scouting in southern middle tennessee i'm speaking with robert rogers who gave a report to the luncheon on the state of scouting in southern middle tennessee today robert how is scouting doing
2: it's doing really good uh rebounded well since covid we've had a lot more people enroll a lot more eagle scouts which is the main thing
1: wow What do you see for the coming year of scouting in southern Middle Tennessee?
2: Hopefully uh, more growth, more kids get the opportunity to be involved. The good thing about this event is the money we raise helps kids that may not normally get to do scouting things like camping and any of this stuff. This makes sure they can do it. So, you know, if there's a kid that's on the fence and the financial worries are what's keeping him from being able to go camping or go to Philmont or go to Boxville, this will help them do it. So that's awesome. Hopefully we'll get more kids in scouting. And hopefully more Eagle Scouts.
1: That is awesome. Now, Robert, were you yourself
2: a scout? Yes, sir. I was an Eagle Scout, uh, Troop 114. Robin Wilhite was a Scoutmaster. And like Bill Walter said, some of the memories you make in scouting stick with you your whole life. And I've got a bunch of them, lots of good memories.
1: Wow, congratulations. And, again, congratulations on this luncheon, uh, scouting and scouts of southern middle Tennessee, tens of thousands of dollars raised. A lot of people had a good time. Robert, thank you. Thank you.
0: The Marshall-Murray Municipal Solid Waste Regional Planning Board on Monday drove what could be a final stake in the heart of efforts to place a landfill near the Duck River. In a meeting at Henry Horton State Park, the board voted to deny Barge Design Solutions application on behalf of Remedia Holdings and Star Hill Eco Park to place a landfill on the site of the old Monsanto factory. It is part of the TDEC by which these applications to turn a six-acre landfill into 384 acres with a different type of solid waste materials from all over the region and all over Middle Tennessee, Murray County attorney Daniel Murphy told our own Delk Kennedy in a radio interview. It technically stops it for now. There is an appeals process where they can go to Chancery Court in Davidson County, or they can still proceed with TDEC through the permitting process, Murphy said. Murray County officials have been unwavering in their opposition to the proposed landfill, with the county commission passing a resolution asking the Tennessee legislature to take action. State Representative Scott Sipicki's bill to designate that portion of the Duck River as a Class 2 scenic river was has passed both the House and Senate with bipartisan support and is now awaiting Governor Bill Lee's signature. Hopefully, with the Scenic River bill being passed and hopefully signed by the governor, that process will stop and hopefully this nonsense will go away, Murphy said. Attorneys with the developer have reportedly sent notice to lawmakers that they intend to take legal action if Sepikki's bill becomes law. Additionally, both the county commission and the cities of Columbia and Spring Hill passed what is known as the Jackson Law, which requires approval by both a county and a municipality to place a landfill within a particular jurisdiction. Barge contended the site's use predates the law's passing, which precludes the site from local jurisdiction. The application states the proposed expansion meets the criteria laid out by the Regional Planning Board. The proposed expansion meets all of these criteria largely because it is located on a site historically used for heavy industrial activities, including ancillary uses but not limited to waste disposal, and is not on a new, undisturbed greenfield. The application read, in part, the 1373 acre site's conceptual plan includes a compost facility, solar farming, waste tire processing, material recovery recovery facilities, wetland mitigation and enhancement along the Duck River and metals recycling. These folks don't want to engage the county. They haven't engaged the county even though that's what they've said publicly. Murphy said, "They don't think the Jackson Law applies to them," he said. Murphy expressed his appreciation for those who attended the board's meeting to oppose the application. Thank you for everyone who came out today and let their wishes be known to this board, and we thank the board for their service and their decision, Murphy said. AT&T has expanded its 5G network in Murray County. The company states, via press release, a new cell tower will enhance the area's coverage and capacity. This new site will enhance AT&T's coverage and capacity in the vicinity of U.S. Highways 412 and 31 and in the area's residential neighborhoods, reads the statement from AT&T. As a physician, I've seen firsthand the importance of connectivity as patients communicate with their healthcare provider, access their records, or simply research information, said State Senator Dr. Joey Hensley. With people increasingly using their smartphones and tablets to connect to the Internet wherever they are when the need arises, continuing growth of the wireless network is welcome. Announcements like this show the legislature's work to encourage private investment in advanced technology is paying off for the people of Tennessee, Senator Hensley said. The new site also brings Band 14 spectrum to the area. Band 14 is a nationwide high-quality spectrum set aside by the government specifically for FirstNet. We look at Band 14 as public safety's VIP lane, states AT&T. In an emergency, this band, or lane, can be cleared and locked just for FirstNet subscribers. When not in use by FirstNet subscribers, AT&T customers can enjoy Band 14's added coverage and capacity. We know how important it is for our customers to stay connected, said Kathy Sager, Regional Director of External Affairs for AT&T Tennessee. AT&T 5G brings fast, reliable, and secure connectivity to more than 281 million people in over 22,000 cities and towns nationwide, including in Middle Tennessee. This helps residents and businesses get the best possible experience over the AT&T network wherever they live, work, and play, she said. For more information about the value FirstNet is bringing to public safety, you can check out FirstNet.com. Murray Regional Medical Center will offer an opportunity to dispose of expired, unused, or unneeded prescription drugs safely and anonymous, no, anonymously on Saturday, April 22nd. The free drug take-back event will be held in front of the Murray Regional Medical Center Medical Office Building located at 1222 Trotwood Avenue in Columbia from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. The event will feature a convenient drive-through disposal process. Staff members will be present to safely receive items from drivers in their vehicles. The service is free and anonymous, with no information required. Once again, we are excited to offer our community members a convenient way to safely dispose of unused and unneeded medications, Murray Regional Medical Center Security Director Michael Johnson said. We highly encourage all residents to take advantage of this opportunity to dispose of unused medications. For numerous safety and health precautions, safely disposing of unused medications is extremely important. Medications should not be flushed down a toilet or tossed in the trash. In addition, medicines that are kept in home cabinets are susceptible to diversion, misuse, and abuse. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration's National Survey on Drug Use and Health indicates that most misused and abused prescription drugs are obtained from family and friends, including medications taken from home medicine cabinets. Only medications in pill or patch form should be brought to the upcoming event. The site cannot accept liquids, needles, or sharps. Items should be in their original container, if possible. The second annual Homestead Festival will be held on June 2nd and 3rd in Columbia on Rory Feek's Farm. Now, until April 21st, you can take advantage of a buy one, get one free ticket offer. With your purchase, you will be able to attend the event for both days. Combining music and meaning, The Two-Day Affair features musical performance from Rory Feek, Colin Ray, Craig Campbell, and Paul Overstreet, as well as master class lectures by prominent homesteading community leaders such as Dr. Temple Grandin, Joel Saladin, Jill Winger, and many others. You can buy tickets by going to www.hardisonmill.com forward slash the Homestead Festival. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Ms. Alexi Shea Hargrove, 27, a resident of Jean Fitzgerald Road in Columbia, died Thursday, April 6th at Vanderbilt Medical Center. Funeral services for Alexi will be Wednesday at 12 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in West Point Cemetery. Mr. Bobby Wayne White, Sr., 86, retired employee of Columbia Daily Herald and a resident of Columbia, died Saturday, April 8th at NHC Murray Regional Transitional Care. Funeral services for Mr. White will be conducted on Thursday at 1 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Wednesday from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Funeral Home. Mr. David Jonathan Bates, 60, 60, former agriculture teacher for Columbia Central High School and employee of King's Firearms, died Sunday, April 9th at his residence in Mount Pleasant. Funeral services for Mr. Bates will be conducted on Friday at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Pleasant Mount Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 4 to 7 p.m. at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your
1: customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well.
2: At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference.
0: Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have lots of sunshine again today with a high of 79 degrees. Winds will be light and variable. Tonight, we can expect partly cloudy skies and a low of 46 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first.
1: (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance...
3: Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow... Isn't American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090.
1: Hello friends, this is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you've given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website tennesseechildrenshome.org for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home.
2: Coach, baseball is back and
0: WKRM 103.7 is excited to bring you coverage and sponsorship options for this 2023 season.
1: That's right, Taff. And this year, our advertising partners had the option to sponsor our live Little League coverage, Lana Braves coverage, or a combo package that carried both of them.
2: This area loves baseball. And what a
0: great way to support the community by helping us bring coverage of our Little League, but also taking a moment to promote local businesses.
1: People are crazy about the Lana Braves.
0: Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee on Tuesday signed an executive order aimed at strengthening background checks for firearm purchases, in addition to calling for lawmakers to pass an order of protection law to keep guns away from people who present a danger to themselves or others. I'm asking the General Assembly to bring forward an order of protection law, Lee told reporters at a police precinct in Nashville. A new strong order of protection law will provide the broader population cover safety from those who are in danger to themselves or the population. This is our moment to lead and to give the people of Tennessee what they deserve, Governor Lee said. The executive order sets a 72-hour period for reporting new criminal activity and court mental health information to the Tennessee Instant Check System, the background check system operated by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. The order also directs the TBI to issue a report in two months to Lee's office and the General Assembly on any barriers to complete, accurate, and timely reporting of information that is accessible in TICS. The existing background check process for purchasing a firearm only works when there is accurate and timely information that's available, Governor Lee said. Four days after the Covenant shooting, the deadliest school shooting in state history, Lee told The Tennessean he believes people who are a danger to themselves or to others should not have access to weapons, a position he reiterated a few days later when announcing a slate of school safety measures with Republican legislative orders leaders, rather. The school safety package, which focused on hardening school security and did not address gun reform, received bipartisan passage in the House last week. Lee has reiterated he has directly asked General Assembly leadership to bring forward order of protection legislation, though he declined to say Tuesday if he had received pledges of sponsorship from lawmakers. But Lee's comments on Tuesday were his strongest yet that he believes new legislation could be passed this session, which is expected to wrap up within weeks. Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally was among the first Republicans openly supporting an extreme risk protection order, while House Speaker Cameron Sexton has only openly opposed it. He's expressed skepticism that such an order could contain appropriate due process protections. Republican lawmakers in recent years have broadened access to firearms. Some Republicans this session attempted to expand a permitless carry measure to long guns prior to the Covenant shooting, a move sharply criticized by Democrats. Democrats announced a legislative slate on April 5th in response to the Covenant shooting. In this moment, our families deserve action to stop future gun violence, Senate Minority Leader Senator Ramesh Akbari said following Lee's Tuesday remarks. The governor is right to make this a priority before session ends. The Democratic legislation includes a proposed ban on bump stock conversion kits and high capacity magazines, citing the Covenant shooter's ability to fire 152 rounds inside the school in about 15 minutes. Senate Bill 1564 would allow family members and law enforcement to petition a civil court for an extreme risk protection order, which would allow law enforcement to temporarily remove weapons from a person deemed a risk to themselves or others. These are smart and effective solutions to keep kids and families safe, Akbari said. We are ready to work with the governor and the supermajority to get something done. The Tennessee Department of Health continues its efforts to promote breast cancer awareness with a premiere of a new design for a motor vehicle passenger license plate devoted to raising funds for breast cancer screening services. The Driving to a Cure license plate supports TDH's Tennessee Breast and Cervical Screening Program, which helps uninsured and underinsured women access breast and cervical cancer screening and diagnostic services. Early cancer detection can often mean beating a cancer diagnosis, said Tennessee Health Commissioner Ralph Alvarado. This specialty license plate adds another component to our intervention efforts to prevent breast cancer deaths in Tennessee. The fee for the plate is $61.50 annually, and the new plate design is available now. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The Tennessee Craft Fair, the annual celebration and sale of -of one-of-a-kind craft art by local and regional artists, will be May 5th through the 7th at Nashville Centennial Park on the Parthenon Lawn. The juried show will include awards for Best of Show, Best of Tennessee, and Best New Exhibitor. The craft fair will include a demonstration tent with local artists from the Clay Ladies Campus, the Tennessee Association of Woodturners, and Betty Turner's This Little Light Creative Glass Art. The Kids' Tent offers opportunities for kids to make their own creations to take home. And finally, the Emerging Makers' Tent features artists who are just starting out in their careers. Fair hours are 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on May 5th and 6th, and 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on May 7th. You can go to TennesseeCraft.org forward slash Spring Fair to learn more information. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.